Welcome back to Be Right. I'm Alex Myers. As always, I'm joined by Stephen Hennessy, Christopher Powers. Uh, we want to welcome Joe Idoni to the show today, aka Tour Picks on Twitter, co-founder of the DFS Open and co-host of the Preferred Lines Pod with Chad Eckert. Joe, thanks for joining us today, man. Yo, what's up, guys? Uh, big fan of the show. Excited to be here. Uh, let's talk some uh, Pebble Beach. <coughs> Sounds good. Well, first, we definitely have to talk some waste management because the boys were buzzing. I mean, we had the positive <laughs> vibes last week. We were repping Brooks Kepka hard uh, on the pod. Uh, even our producer, Liam, jumped in there. But uh, Steve, CP, and I all banked big on Brooks. So we want to thank you, Brooks Kepka. And actually, I don't know about you guys, but it saved my Super Bowl Sunday because, again, I bet against Tom Brady in a big spot, like a total dope. But uh, thanks to Brooks, I really could do no wrong. So I, what about you guys? Same. I was uh, pretty much emptied the account on the Chiefs and the over, which, as everyone knows, was yep. two uh, square sides for sure. Oh, and uh, Brooks definitely uh, saved the day. I know Joe picked him, too, so everybody uh, – Joe's kind of the Brooks whisperer. He's got a nice tweet out. Everyone should go check uh, all the winners he's picked. And he, he, he nails Brooks pretty much every time he wins, all right? So I'm a big Brooks homer, uh, as anyone who follows me knows. Um, he went to high school with my wife. So, you know, we've kind of got oh. some connections there. And, and I've just always rooted for Brooks, man. I love his sort of killer instinct and can kind of smell blood in the water and you know, six back, I think he was going into the back nine. And the I think his the fact he was able to play with the leader in James Hahn. And when he hooked that ball into the water on, I think, 15, before that ball yeah. even hit the surface of the water, Brooks had already launched his and had an yeah. op for Eagle. And it was just go time for him. And he seizes the moment when in contention and never backed down. Um, and it's just awesome to see. That's such a good point. When, when Hahn started going off, I was like, Brooks has got to be like, you know, I'm about to lose to James Hahn right now. Spieth right. Yeah. And, and Xander are, are faltering uh, behind me. Like he had to, at some point realize like, th this is, this has to be mine. I have to take this. And he did even without the Eagle on 15, but the Eagle on 17, that's just, that's the moment uh, we all kind of live for when you got a, when, a, when you got an outright ticket. I mean, the chip in, I don't think I've ever gone crazier than <laughs> when that went in. I mean, I was on the, on the ground, on my back, kicking my feet. I mean, it, that's like, because it, it was probably my biggest gambling win of all time uh, with the DFS stuff too. And, you know, it's pennies compared to like what Joe has won in the past. But for a casual guy, you know, like me and, you know, Myers and Powers too, cleaning up, it's, it's a big deal. And, you know, in a DFS contest too, you know, I just wanted to say, like, as a casual guy, it kind of gives other casual people hope because, like, you know, I'm not entering 150 lineups max right. like, you know, all the sharp guys do. You know, I entered nine lineups and one over two grand. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of money for uh, people like us. So yes, anyways, it, it's great that we all hit. And, uh, man, it was it was awesome. It, that's that's what you live for when you're betting on golf. So it, it was sick. it really it was so exciting. And and. You know, he had an outside shot entering Sunday, especially with Xander and Spieth at the 54-0 leaders. You're thinking like, well, maybe one of them has a bad day, but there's no way both – they both end up having yeah. bad days. Like you said, even going to the back nine, he made that early eagle, but then he did nothing. Yeah. And if and we kept we, – we were all messaging each other. We're like, man, if he could just do something, he'd be in this. And once I got to the back nine, I mean, he had to be 1% chance of winning or something like that. And then by the time he makes that eagle, he's probably – 
95% and yet I'm still so nervous. You know, you think, and I know Steve, you had so much more on the line with all the DFS. You finished what third out of a, a 5,000 person tournament. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, with yeah. Matthew Neesmith was huge. He made, I think an Eagle on the back nine that propelled me up and he was like 2% owned in DraftKings too. So, um, you know, I've had him in pretty much all my lineups uh, and kudos to Rick Gaiman, who was big on him. Um, I think, Mayo and Feinberg were too. So a uh, lot of, lot of good wins in the industry last week, which is awesome. Yeah, man. It seemed like, it seemed like everyone in golf Twitter was in on Brooks Kepka. And it, I mean, you, you could know, not be at, at that number. At right, exactly. 51, it's 50 just insanity. I, somehow I only got him at 46 to one. I, I got him on Wednesday, I guess it moved because everybody was like, all right, right. 55, 50, this is getting ridiculous. Um, I actually felt bad because Again, as you guys, as I bitch about every week, I can't even make these bets, but I luckily have a friend who takes these bets. So he, I took it off a friend for the 460. So that's oh, a that break for him. Um, I, I'd given him, you know, some money, uh, especially on Matthew Wolf the few previous weeks. But uh, no, this was, this was definitely a nice win. And again, it just made going to the Super Bowl. It was like, all right, I don't even care now um, totally. as much. So pretty sweet. Congrats to Brooks. Uh, congrats to us. We, we, we said we were going to be pumping this up. Uh, it was, it was a good, good win for sure. All right. Let's, uh, start to move on a little bit. Obviously we have at t Pebble beach this week. It is not the pro-am anymore because there's no, there are no celebrities there. There are also no, or not many big stars. Uh, let's be honest. This is one of the worst fields of the year. Uh, it's the worst field um, I think statistically ever in the history of this tournament. And, you know, we had DJ in there, Steve, I'll let you talk a little more about, he was kind of looking like he'd be a historic type favorite, uh, at least with his odds, especially coming off that latest win in Saudi Arabia. He pulls out, not the biggest shock in the world, I guess, but man, that really took a hit on this tournament. It is now a, a, just a brutal field. Yeah. You know, I think it's a product of, there's just so many big tournaments this time of the year that something had to give. And quite honestly, even though there's no AMs in, in the, in the field, I think a lot of the top players like kind of look forward to that, uh, that networking opportunity. Um, you know, you got the workday CEO and, um, you know, that kind of thing, it's actually kind of big for, for these guys. Um, so yeah, I mean, DJ, like you said, was four to one opened at, I even saw him at like, plus 375 at, at points bet and other places. And that would have been, you know, the biggest favorite, at least in the, in the last five years. And perhaps even uh, going back farther, I, I even checked with Jeff Sherman of the, the Westgate Superbook at Las Vegas. And he's like, I can't remember anyone as a bigger favorite. And, you know, uh, he, he keeps all that info. So um, back to the Tiger days, you know, I would say probably 13 um, Tiger was as big of a favorite. So, Anyway, on the course, uh, just get the basics out of the way before I kick it to Joe for what he's looking at this week. No, no pro-am, obviously. Only two courses, Monterey Peninsula out, uh, which is unfortunate because I'm a huge Monterey Peninsula fan. Uh, Mike Strance, our, our guy, Myers, huge fan too. Um, right. So that, that means players will play three rounds of Pebble if they make the cut, one over its spyglass. Um, but I think what no pro-am is even bigger for is that they could set up the course a little tougher and that's significant because last year spyglass played as the fifth toughest course on tour 
And that was, you know, obviously just one round uh, there per player. But Pebble was the eighth toughest. So I'd expect those numbers to even go up and play tougher at the Amex a couple of weeks ago, similar situation. Uh, we saw the scoring average go up by over a stroke. So um, yeah, I think similar here. And obviously the wind is always huge at Pebble. And just an early look at the weather, it looks like Thursday afternoon, the winds could gust up to 25 miles per hour. So maybe a little advantage to the early wave on Thursday. Um, but, you know, make sure to, to take a look at that before you lock in your lineups and bets Wednesday. And Spyglass will play a little longer this year. Um, it's not too significant. Uh, it's usually about like 6,800. It'll be a little over 7,000, similar to Pebble, both par 72s. Um, we're still obviously very short for par 72s. And, you know, as, as most golf fans know, it's, it's the greens at Pebble beach, uh, you know, that are the defense and how tiny, but undulating they are, um, on average 3,500 square feet, smallest on tour, um, POA greens, you know, that, and I think you want to look at, um, par five scoring too, because three of the four five, three of the four par fives, two, six, and 18 obviously play under 550 yards. So, um, and 14 is just a little under 575. So they're all gettable. And especially for DFS, that's going to be huge. So I'll kick it to Joe, see what Joe is, is looking at um, other, other than those things for uh, his, his bets and lineups this week. Yeah. So obviously, Stephen, you know, when we get to this event, the course history truthers tend to come out of the woodwork a little bit. Um, and I think there's some validity to it. We see guys consistently sort of play well here year after year. And I think that this is one of those events that kind of makes sense. You mentioned um, the two courses are relatively short in comparison to most PGA Tour events. So I think that brings a little bit more of the field a percentage into play than it does at some of these. You know, you get to, to tour in some of these 7,700 yard tracks and half the guys you can pretty much cross off. Um, you also mentioned the wind and the weather. I think it's a big thing to pay attention to this week because that's sort of the primary defense of Pebble. Um, you mentioned the putting, but it's also the wind is what kind of keeps these scores under bay. Pebble is a lot more exposed to that wind than Spyglass is. So Spyglass kind of has a little bit of a shield and protection from those Pacific Coast gusts that can be unpredictable. So check out the waves, see when your guys are teeing off on which course and see if you could find a little bit of an advantage there. And I'm kind of looking to target, um, you know, European tour type players, I guess, this week. I've heard some rumblings that it's going to be cold and wet. They're, like you mentioned, there's going to be some wind. Um, you go back, you know, looking at course history, not just to this event, but I look back at the U.S. Open that was here a year and a half ago, and it was littered with the European tour contingency yeah. guys. Obviously, Woodland and Kepkin were at the top. But I wrote down some names here, Rose, Scott, Louie, Stenson, Fitzpatrick, Wallace, Willett. These are all guys who came in the top 12 that week, all mm -hmm. primarily European tour players who are more familiar with these coastal gust, gusty type of courses and shorter tracks. So that's kind of who I'm looking to target this week. But, you know, overall, I think your, your general synopsis there was spot on. All right, let's, let's look at the top then. Um, we mentioned Jeff Sherman, so I'm looking at the Westgate odds right now, courtesy of Jeff Sherman, our friend, uh, handicapper. Uh, obviously, DJ is at the top as a WD. Patrick Cantley has now assumed the role of favorite, and it's a pretty strong favorite as well, eight to one odds. I mean, you, again, when you see guys in single digits, that's, that's pretty rare. Daniel Berger, 14 to one, followed by Paul Casey off his recent 
win in Dubai, Wills Alatoris and Jordan Spieth and Jason Day, all 20 to one. Guys, anybody in that top tier jumping out at you? CP, I'll start with you. Uh, just Day for me. <clears throat> Berger, you know, a lot of people like him. I think I'll probably use him uh, DFS wise because he's great on POA and he's got two top 10. He's only played here twice, he's got two top 10s. But, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, if the field was stronger, maybe you could still get him in the 20s, 30s. He was 30 to one for a while, even even though he was playing well. But 14 to one for me is a no-go on Berger. Cantley's too short, obviously. Casey's out. I think these guys all play well, but I'm not betting them under 20 to one. Jason Day, I will bet uh, at 20 to one. Course history, Joe said it before. I mean, you might not find a guy with better course history here. Amazingly, had, doesn't have a win, um, but bunch of top fives runner-ups he has missed the cut three times in his last five starts but uh the two times he made it he finished 12th at rsm and seventh at houston gained on approach last week gained a bunch of tee to green just had a miserable putting week i can't see him having a miserable putting week at uh pebble where he always puts well he loves poa i think he's third in this field on poa over his last 50 rounds per fantasy national so uh definitely a course history play um I think he gets his first win since 2018 Wells Fargo. Everyone's on the Spieth comeback bandwagon. I think the uh, Jason Day comeback starts this week at Pebble. Yeah, I don't hate that. I mean, you know, his ball striking numbers look decent last week of waste management, even though he didn't play too well. Um, 20 to one is a pretty severe cut in price. Uh, I think he's like 85 to one last week at the waste. But, you know, like Joe said, there's a big course history week. Day always seems to show up at Pebble. Um, so if there's a place to figure it out, could be here. Berger, I think is interesting. And for DFS, I, I think you might be able to get him at a little cheaper own price because he burned some people last week, missed the cut, burned me because I was on him in my one and done. Um, and he was my uh, pick in our column at golfdigest.com too. Um, at 14 to one, I don't know. He, he just reads out in all the important stats for me, par five scoring in that range. I mentioned he's second. Uh, starts game putting, putting on POA. Like he said, he's fifth, so he's, he's good there. Um, also avoids bogeys well, so if this turns into a bit more of a difficult test, uh, he's in the top 15 in this field there too. So um, I'm debating betting Berger. Um, maybe Zal Torres too, 18-1. But, I mean, to be honest, like Meyer said, this is just kind of a, a lame field, and uh, I, I'm just, like, not as excited to, to bet this, especially after cashing tickets last week, you know, maybe pump the brakes a little bit and, and take some flyers on some bombs down the board. That's kind of my strategy. What about you, Joe? How do you assess the top of the field? Yeah. So I like to, when I start, I like to look at, I try to keep notes on the course every year after an event, I try to write some stuff down. And the number one thing in all cast by notes was limit exposure this week, because I think I always get really excited about it. And then it's just a tough week to predict in general. Um, I said last night on the show, the, the preferred line show that I did, that I was kind of at a toss up between Casey and Zalatoris at the top. And I was going to take sort of a wait and see approach as the week went on. Well, that was a bad move because DJ withdrawed and both their numbers were cut. Um, fortunately, I'm with CP. I was able to find a, a really good number on Jason Day this morning that hadn't quite been cut yet. The guys over at my bookie there were slept in a little late this morning and were, <laughs> were asleep at the wheel and left a 30 to one hanging. I think it might even still be out there. So wow. they still have DJ up there. But um, 
I didn't love Day because I don't like the amount of changes that he's making. When you change your entire golf bag at once, he, you know, he's run through his a gamut of caddies here over the last couple of years. He seems to just be searching. But I go back to course history and I just see a little bit of line value in him in comparison to these other guys. And I'm just not going to willing to take the plunge at a guy like Paul Casey at 14 to one this week. But I think there's a solid depth of the field that could be live and in play. Uh, just below, you got an interesting name here. And you mentioned, you know, the Euro Tour guys. Francesco Molinari hadn't had a top 10 since the Masters last year. Now, all of a sudden, he's racked up quietly back to back top 10s. Uh, he's sitting here at 25 to one. Then there's a jump down to uh, a, a few guys at 30. Siwoo Kim, Cameron Davis, Kevin Streelman, who obviously has got great course history here, especially with his man, uh, sandbagger Larry Fitzgerald, and uh, Max Homa at 30 to one. Uh, anybody in there interest you? What about Molinari, Steve? Uh, you know, a, a few weeks ago, this guy's odds were, were way down the board. He's, he's, he's kind of coming back up to what we're used to seeing. Yeah, at Amex, I think he was 125 to one, and now he's you know in the 25 to 30 range. It's yeah. it's crazy. It also speaks to how uh, poor the field is again. Sure. But like you said, yeah. he's playing well in eighth at Amex, tenth at Farmers. The strokes gain approach numbers were really good last week. He gained four over four strokes on approach, um, almost nine strokes tee to green. So he was good off the tee too, uh, and good around the greens. Um, just lost strokes putting. So. I mean, that number, you know, that doesn't get me too excited. Um, but that fits Joe's narrative of the European type player, you know, not super long, but, uh, you know, keeps it in front of them, uh, you know, good iron play. So could totally see him winning. That, that would be uh, a fun storyline for sure. In that range for me, I, I'm tempted most by uh, a couple of guys. Sam Burns at 40 to 1. We've just seen him pop in round around, but you just can't get it together, uh, for four, four rounds. Uh, he was part of my, uh, DFS lineup last week and, you know, kind of sputtered on the weekend, but still put up a bunch of points scored. Um, so 41, I mean, we're just kind of waiting for him to put it all together at, you know, his off the tee game is the elite part, um, and strokes game part fives too. So, uh, you know, I, I can, I don't know, I could see him contending again. It's just a question of, whether he could put those four rounds together. Um, and then the other guy, Kevin Streelman, 40 to one is just ridiculous. If you're betting Kevin Streelman at 40 to one, you have some, a big set of stones. I, I just cannot get behind uh, betting Kevin Streelman 40 to one. The, the course history is, is really strong. So I can, you know, I'm not going to argue you, but just not for me. I think Henrik Norlander was a guy I was on last week, you know, after his uh, T2 at, at the farmers and he's just been, he's been so good uh, approach wise and kind of had a decent day on Sunday. I, I think this course could really uh, fit him in terms of the approach being so good, um, you know, in the last couple tournaments. And I think he's just trending up 45 to one. Isn't a great number considering you could have got like 85 or hundred last week, but um, I've just been on him and I don't want to miss out. So that's where I'd go. How about you, Joe? Where are you going in this range? So, I freaking love this kid, Cameron Davis. Yeah. Um, I got a 40 to one on him. And, and I know I talked about the European tour sort of contingent, but we've seen these Australian born players typically play really well in this early season, California swing. 
that we have. And I just love the aggressiveness at which this kid plays the game. You see a lot of these newer guys come up and they start to get around 15th or 20th and they maybe take the foot off the gas and they're trying to secure a paycheck. He ain't that guy. Um, he's going for a win. He plays aggressive. He plays par fives. Awesome. He play, he's going to hit his driver no matter the distance of the hole. And he's gaining a ton of strokes tee to green. Um, you know, Will Zalatoris gets all the pub and he's awesome. I'm not going to take anything away from him. But tee to green wise, Cameron Davis has almost been just as good. I mean, he gained 10 and a half strokes tee to green at the Farmer, seven at the Amex, six at the Sony. He's crushing the ball. I think if he has a good putting week, and the other thing of note, if that wind does kind of ratchet up this week, he plays about a stroke and a half above his baseline average when the conditions become windier. Wow. I think he's a great look this week. I agree with your take kind of on Streelman. I initially looked at him here because of the course history, because he's had some solid approach numbers. But if I'm going to play someone at that 35, 40 to one number, I'd rather take the kid in Cam Davis. Yeah, I love Cam too. I'm, I don't have a bet on him yet, but you may have you may have convinced me to uh, sprinkle on him at some point today. I, I love he made a great run on Sunday at MX. Like you said, he was not afraid to kind of get after it. See, we just played that much better. I don't really love anyone else. Steve's right. Streelman forty-five to one is absurd. You can get way better guys. Horse history way further down the board. We'll get there in a bit. I like a lot of guys at some some long numbers. So. Streelman there no I thought about Phil at 50 but coming from Saudi and talking I mean he and Day probably the two best course history guys in this field but coming from Saudi and just not playing well at all <laughs> recently uh, I'll, I'll pass on that one and my car doesn't start again till 70 to 1 range we want to hop into that uh Myers I see your your boy Alex Norin uh 80 to 1 I, I'm skipping it I'm skipping him too I I like Joe's point about the Euro guys, but I don't know. Norin, I've burned so much money on him now. He's our 66 uh, to one. Our caddy 66 to one week. won't, uh, I know, 66 caddy to one won't recoup everything I've I've lost on him. So I'm going to pass awesome. on Norin. I'm, my next bet is uh, Stevie's boy, HV3, Harold Varner, 70 to one. Uh, only one start here last year. He missed the cut, but um, he shot 67 round one on Pebble. He should get three cracks at Pebble if he makes the cut this week. I think he played poorly on, I'm assuming Spyglass, but it, it may have been uh, Monterey. He shot 76 in the second round. So uh, if he can just grind one out on Spyglass, such a good iron player. He gained a bunch of strokes on approach last week. Yeah, five four, yeah four, four top 15s in his last 10 starts. I, I do think Harold is going to win at some point, but he's just going to have to put the lights out, which is kind of what you're betting on with a lot of these guys. That's what I bet on with Siwoo at Amex. So if, the, if he can feast with his irons and maybe this is the week he just rolls in a bunch of putts. I don't, I don't hate Harold at 70 to one. And I really like him. I, I bet him top 20 that's plus 300. So HV three for me. I like it, man. HV3. I'm always a fan of, and that number is pretty nice in, in this field. I, I could get behind that. Um, I like a few guys in this range. Bo Hogue is someone who's just trending up right now. He's 90 to one. Um, that's just kind of like a blind bet. I'm just throwing out the stats a little bit. He, he's really long off the tee. Um, he doesn't rate out too well in my model, just on the stats that I'm looking at, but I just think it's, he's another guy uh, just kind of like Cam Davis who could win at any point. So 90 to one, I think is decent. Um, then at a hundred to one, 
Mark Hubbard has uh, not the best course history here, but he's got some good history in other regards at Pebble. He proposed to his wife uh, a few years back on Pebble. So he has good vibes. He obviously played well at the ways management. Again, that's just kind of like a, a blind bet. He, he rates out well on my model. He's like 19th um, based on, you know, the, the stats, it's just consistent in everything. He doesn't do one thing particularly well, but he's just pretty solid. Um, so I kind of like that. And I'll just rattle off my other uh, bombs before I kick it to Joe. Scott Stallings, 101. Yep. We saw him play decent last week at the Waste Management. He was in, I think, the featured group uh, Saturday morning because he's playing with Rory. And it looked like he was playing really well off the tee. Um, the iron play was just a little off. Um, but he's had, he has good history at Pebble. He finished, I think, uh, maybe T4 here a couple years ago. Um, 101, I think that's worth a bomb. And my last guy. Uh, I tease it to you guys off, off air, uh, Sam Ryder. I got him at 201 yesterday. Um, the iron play just really impressed me at the farmers. Um, I think that that's going to play really well at pebble. Uh, again, it's just kind of like a, a blind taste test kind of a thing. You know, I got a couple extra bucks in the account. I'm banking on a Sam, uh, Sam Ryder win here eventually. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with him. What about you, Jeff? Well, in terms of the long shots, you know, I'm with you on our buddy Homeless Hubs. Uh, he just plays really well on these shorter courses. We yep. saw the form was in good shape last week. I think he was first round leader. Yep. Um, you mentioned the narratives of the wife. And I know he went to San Jose State, which is about an hour up the road. So he's got, you know, some familiarity with the area there. Right. I'm also on Chris's guy and Harold Varner. Um, I just feel like the, 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 he's close, right? And I think that we can all agree that he's been in these spots and we're just waiting for him to capitalize. And anytime you're taking these sort of long shot guys all the way down the board, you want some rooting interest there. And, and how can you not root for HV3? He's such a good guy and a great for the tour. And, and I want to see him do well. But my guy, and I know that you glossed over him a little bit, CP, I'm all over Alex Noren this week. He was my first guy that I grabbed right off the bat. Um, now I have he to. Has, he has the Euro Tour kind of thing going for that I'm looking for. And let's not forget a couple of weeks ago, you know, when they were at Tory, right? There was a really long course and a really short course. Well, that really short course, uh, he shot a 64 on and was basically first round leader after day one of the North course there. So anytime, you know, from a human aspect, anytime that you can go really low like that, I think it reassures your confidence to the point where you start to think it's in there, right? I know that I can do this and it helps your, your patience a little bit as you go through these events because you know that you can fire off a really low one at any point. It was a guy with 10 European tour wins. He was a top 20 player in the world about two years ago uh, before JB Holmes down the road kind of snatched his soul at the farmers the one year for a little bit, but then he dealt with an injury. I think he's on his way back. I've seen some things that I really like for him, and I think it's a good spot uh, at a good number for him this week, and I'm rooting for Alex Norm big time. All right, I'll, I'll probably join you then. I have to now. I was about to bet. It, <laughs> since you said you weren't going to CP, I was definitely going to bet it. No, no. Now no, you're there's it, No so. choice now. our vibes pick of the week, Alex Norm. Yeah, that, yeah, let's make it our vibes pick of the week, Norm. Six and six. I love it. Let's run it back. <laughs> I also cool. like, uh, I like Stallings too. Like Steve said, great history. Third year, 19, seventh year before 14th year before that. Um, absolutely worth a little sprinkle at a hundred. And then another guy at a hundred, this is what I'm talking about. Guys with course history. You're getting 
Brant Snedeker at 100 to one over uh, Kevin Streelman at 45. That's a no brainer to me. Two time winner here. Won a couple times at yeah. Farmers, too. Um, he's just kind of like barely losing strokes with his iron. So he's not hitting the ball terribly, which to me said, you know, Sneds can have those rounds where it's just like all of a sudden he's three feet away on every iron shot. He can just fire away at flags and then he'll easily make every putt. So at a hundred to one, I'm, I'm happy to bet on a Sneds just kind of figures it out randomly uh, type week at a course he's got great history with. And then my other this is a top 30 bet that I feel really good about. He's plus 320. Kevin Chappell has not played since the RSM, so he's had a ton of rest. Uh, he actually led the Sanderson after one round, the, the event Sergio won, and then kind of faded. I think he finished tied for 23rd, shot a 64. Like Joe just said, you shoot around like that, you know it's inside of you. He can get cooking with the putter, Chappell. Same thing as uh, Snedeker. He can kind of fire away at flags and and randomly get hot. So, um I like Chapel, well rested Kevin Chapel, top 30. And the odds aren't out yet on DraftKings, but he's a prime first round leader bet, Kevin Chapel. So I'll probably hop on that too when those odds come out. Wow. All right. I didn't really hear. I heard some long shots in there. Uh, spicy nugs specifically. Steve, I'll let you uh, take it away there. Spicy nug. I got one. It's uh, a guy who we've all bet on a bunch in our uh, betting career, but not recently and again the uh, first round leader bets are not out and you need to check um you know the weather splits i like i said i think uh early thursday is going to be an advantage but if jb holmes is in the early thursday uh wave on either course spyglass or pebble he's got sneaky good history here he's 301 um and he's someone who just like always pops like early and then he fades on sunday that's that's his bugaboo. That's my guy from, from Kentucky. He's a Kentucky wildcat. Um, but 300 to one, you're going to get something like 200 to one as a first round leader. Uh, well, maybe split a little more if it's between two courses, but 150 to one or, or better at JB Holmes first round leader. I like that a lot. Wow. All right. Chris. Spicy nug. Um, this is really spicy and I don't really feel that good about it, but just for the sake of spicy, I think, Kelly Kraft, who is 600 to one, beats Patrick Cantley, who is the favorite this week, head to head straight up. I don't know if you can get that matchup anywhere, but if you can, that's kind of my spicy nug of the week. This is remember Kelly Kraft beat Patrick Cantley in the 2011 U.S. Amateur, played in the Walker Cup that year. I mean, Kelly Kraft is a guy who has contended quite often in his PGA Tour career. Ninth at Riviera in 2019, second at Greenbrier eighth at Honda, you know, big time courses, another fifth at Greenbrier, uh, contended on the corn Ferry tour a few years ago. I think Jim Herman got him at the Barbasol and he does have a KFT, uh, corn Ferry tour win. Sorry. So Kelly Kraft, 600 to one, it just seems like a crazy price for a guy who has shown the ability to contend on the PGA tour. And I don't know, maybe there's a little motivation. You see, you're I'm not saying he's looking at the odds board, but 600 to one, the guy you beat in the U S amateur is a seven to one favorite, uh, Maybe a little motivation for Kelly Kraft. Finished second here a few years ago. He was in that final group with uh, Jordan Spieth when he won here at Pebble. So Kelly Kraft, my spicy nug, beats Patrick Canley head-to-head. I think you could, like, name a matchup price at, at books like uh, points. And they'll so, take it. Yeah, and you can take it. So I bet you would get – I don't know. What do you think, Joe? Like plus 900 or something? I mean, that's as spicy that's of a nugget we've more. had. more. 
that's yeah. that's atomic level spice right there uh, <laughs> like should that. come with a warning sign but yeah that's good stuff that's going to be tough to follow so my spicy <laughs> nug um and i wasn't sure if this was spicy enough i'll be honest but i tested it out in the dms with a couple of guys that i respect and they all told me i was an idiot so i think it's spicy enough i like phil mickelson um, and I'm, and we all know the course history is one thing, but I want to talk about his course management at Pebble seems to be a different level than I get this feeling that Phil doesn't necessarily believe in himself at some of these other events and just thinks that he has to play perfectly and he has to hit his bombs everywhere and they all have to hit in the fairway and he's got to make birdies on every hole and he thinks to keep up with this young crew of guys he's got to do everything right. I don't think that's the case at Pebble. I think this is a unique place where he thinks he can bring potentially his B plus game and compete and be in the top five and potentially nab another victory that I know he wants. Um, he just plays this course differently. And I go back to that a couple of years ago with Paul Casey and he wasn't hitting a lot of driver. He was hitting a lot of iron off the tee and he was hitting these savvy three quarter knockdown like six irons that were going like 130 yards and stopping next to the pin under the wind it was awesome to see I I think that this is a good spot for Phil and I go back to you know there's been so many takes this week on you know players mentality down the stretch in Sunday and and people kind of taking shots at Xander and then at the same token sort of pumping up Brooks for how he approaches that Phil, you know, he gets this rap of being this nice guy, but you can go back to that round with Casey and previous. And if you're paired up with him in Sunday and you're both in contention, he's going to play all the mind games with you. Mm -hmm. He's going to try to mentally get any leverage on you that he possibly can. So if he's in there Sunday in contention with a couple of younger players who aren't ready for Phil Mickelson to sort of bring his best stuff and put all the pressure onto their shoulders, I think that this could be a good spot for him. I'm on the record of saying I think that he's got another PGA Tour win in his system before he moves on to the senior tour. And I think this is a good spot for him. So that's going to be my, my spicy nug of the week. Phil to win, baby. I like it. I mean, this is the place for him to do it uh, with the win in 19, the, the third place last year. He, he was in the final group with our boss, Jerry Tardy. And on the first hole, yeah. he talked smack to Jerry. Jerry's examiner exactly. yeah. in his group. And he's you know, talking about his driver, uh, you know, so he's the ultimate competitor. You're right, Joe. And 50 to one, his record here is so good. Even recently, the last five years, he has, you know, the win, two runners up a third place. I like it. That's, that's very spicy, but I can get behind it. Worthy, worthy nug. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Just a few years, a couple years ago, right. When he, he beat Paul Casey, mm-hmm. had to Steve Casey finishing in the dark. <laughs> Right. He still ended up winning. Um, he man, he really does love it here. You know, a couple names, another name to me. Uh, well, I'm seeing all these guys at 400, 501. They're kind of jumping out, but then I'm looking up their results and I mean, they really haven't done anything. I mean, Jimmy Walker is a former winner here. He's 400 to one. Um, I wouldn't bet him to win obviously, but uh, you know, maybe a top 30 that, that, that is that spicy enough. Maybe, maybe not. It's not that spicy. Nothing spicy right, about Jimmy top, Walker, but at his number, yes, yeah. Top ten. How about that? Top ten, Jimmy Walker. I like that. My, what about your boy Bill Hosmeyer? I know. Well, I've, I've already blown enough airtime talking about him. He's he hasn't been helping me out. I mean, he did make the cut when I I gave him that nod the one time, but uh, I think it was like a T forty two. 
you know, I mean, he's still a guy I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind betting a top 40, top 30 on him. I, I still feel like he's got some golf left in him. Uh, Joe, by the way, Bill, Bill Haas is my Brooks Kepka for you. I went to college with him. And, there you uh, go. So kind of my, he's in my class in college and I covered the golf team there. So I got to know him a little bit. So awesome. he's always been my guy. <clears throat> and, uh, but man, I can't believe it's been 10 years since that 2011 season where he won the FedEx. I mean, at that point, yeah. he was he was a star. Oh, he was going to be yeah. a good player. So anyway, things have Bill Haas and, and Kelly Kraft owned 2011. <laughs> they really did. They really did. Uh, Long so, time yeah. ago. Uh, all right. Let's get into a few DFS plays before we wrap up. Uh, Steve, you're you're the man of the hour when it comes to DFS. So yeah. I'll let you uh, kick it off. Well, I mean, and obviously Joe's much more of a DFS expert, so I'll kick it to him uh, after my uh, analysis at the top. But, you know, you are getting a, a break now since DJ, you know, is, he was priced at 12000 You got Cantlay at eleven uh, three hundred, uh, And then a big uh, jump down to Paul Casey at 10-4, Berger uh, 10-1. Uh, so that's the top of the board. I mean, I think you can make some pretty good lineups kind of fading the top. I mean, Casey's playing great. Um, so, and has the history here. So, you know, maybe you play him. I could, I don't know. Cantlay is just someone who I can never peg correctly. He just like, he could easily miss the cut here and just not be into it. Um, or, you know, he could win. I mean, he's obviously the favorite, but uh, I think I'll probably just fade him thinking that, uh, you know, ownership will probably come in higher on him considering the, the break at the favorite um, up there, and then maybe go down a burger, start some lineups there. Um, I think Zal Torres is interesting too. Uh, he was in my DFS lineup last week, so I was following his round uh, pretty strong. And, you know, he was just disappointing um, the whole weekend. It seemed like he had a bunch of, a uh, bunch of chances and couldn't really putt. He said that he likes POA better um, and played great at, at the farmers, obviously. So, you know, maybe I would go back to him, based on maybe people uh, going away from that heavy price up there. So um, Joe, what about you? I'm sure you're more excited about uh, the middle range than that top tier there. Yeah, I think your point is valid. And with the DJ withdrawal, since the pricing was already out, it just makes those prices on those top couple of guys there a little bit more valuable now, right? Because you don't have the $12,000 DJ. So I expect Berger, Casey, Zalatoris to be very popular there. Um, I'm going to play a lot of Cam Davis, who I talked about earlier, I think is at nine flat. I just think he's better than the three or four guys right above him and Ricky and Burns and uh, Molinari. I think he's going to play better than all of them. So I'm going to play a lot of Cam Davis. Matt Jones is under there. And I've just, I don't usually play Matt Jones, but he, the guy's been playing well. I think three of the last four weeks, he's been in the, the winning GPP lineup. Mm. So people rostering Matt Jones are, are, getting paid off with some nice dividends um one of the guys that i got burned by last week but i think you're getting a price break on him this week because of it is rory sabatini um i just think that you know he had a terrible first round and he came back out that second round and went like seven under and yeah, almost squeaked through the cut he almost made it but he didn't and i think had he made that cut in just let's say he finished 35th last week he'd be like a thousand dollars more. He'd be so in the true. mid eights. And now you're getting them at like 7,600. I think he is. Yeah. So you're getting quite a big discount on Sabatini there. I think he burned maybe just enough people to keep his ownership relatively down. And then if you're looking for someone really far down the list, 
um, that you want to pair with, you know, you want to go top heavy at the top. I think 6,200, I would take some Chris Baker. Uh, played well here last year at Pebble. You know, his recent form isn't great, but he's a good POA putter. I just think it's a really cheap price when you're getting when you're getting down in the low sixes, especially in this field. There ain't much that you can really pull stat wise that are going to put you on these guys. I just think Baker has the ability to pop and he tends to get hot in certain experiences. I know he played Pebble Beach really well last year. So that would be sort of my guy really far down the list. That's uh, Pat Mayo's guy. He, he jumped on him, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. Yesterday. Huge. 601, like you said. So. 600. Yeah. Yep. So that's, I like that. Yeah. I mean, I think you probably have to try to avoid the, the low 6,000s as much as possible. I like Baker too, but like that mid uh, 8,000 to 7,000 range is just loaded with guys that we've talked about. Uh, Cam Tringali, we didn't talk about. He's 8,500. I like him a lot. Good wedge player. You need that here. Brennan Steele has just been playing great. Um, I think he led the, the field in off the tee last week. Um, we've just been hitting it really well. Norin, like you mentioned, Brian Harmon in that range too. He surprisingly, Brian Harmon's probably one of the shortest guys on tour, but he just kills it on long par fives, which doesn't make too much sense to me, but uh, he pops, pops there. Um, and then James Hunter, I mean, that, that range is just loaded to me. So CP. You yeah. You know, who's another guy before you go, Chris, you know, who's another guy I'm looking at a lot this week is Chez. Um, yes. he's yeah. kind of been struggling a little bit, but you go back and he has good course history mm -hmm. here and you take it back further than just looking at the AT&T Pro-Am and a year and a half ago when they had the U.S. Open here yeah. in June of 2019, T3 here. Um, so a great mm -hmm. long iron player, a great wedge player. And I think that his recent run of kind of poor finishing performances, even though the stats aren't terrible, he just hasn't been finishing well. He hasn't been making putts but I think he could present some potential value if he can uh, top 15 or so this week. Yeah. Just two guys I'll mention same, same kind of uh, area there. Seven K K uh, Piercy, another guy with good pebble history. Another guy who was he popped on Friday, I think at that U S open and then kind of faded on the weekend, but uh, three straight top twenties here at the AT&T um, he's missed back-to-back -back cuts, but he's not missed three straight cuts on the PJ tour in, since June of 2017. So I think uh, he'll get back, uh, back to the weekend or to Sunday this week. And then Peter Malnati, 7.8, he burned me at Amex. I had a couple bets on him. I think I had him in DK, but then I think he bounced back and finished 10th at farmers. Uh, another guy, not that long of a hitter, but puts the lights out. He's finished 14th or better in four of his last eight starts. And he's gained four more strokes putting in five of those last eight starts as well. So Malnati and Piercy, I think, uh, in that in that tier are, are two good plays. I like it. And one, one last guy I'd mention, I'll probably throw a, a flyer on him too. I was debating whether this was my spicy nugget or not, but Harry Higgs is someone who has been playing great uh, the last couple of weeks, but was in the fall and you know had a great season last season. He tends to pop on these seaside courses. He played well last year at Pebble Beach and uh, you know had the good finish at the Barracuda when Brandon Todd won. So Harry Higgs, 7,200, uh, maybe a little volatile, but he's pretty long off the tee. And I think he likes the, these seaside courses. So Harry Higgs is like 175 to one, pretty juicy. Oh man, Love it. Harry Higgs, golf Twitter loves him. Oh yeah. Another <laughs> fun weekend. Uh, Joe, thanks again for joining us, man. Uh, I guess uh, any, any last thoughts from you? 
No, my pleasure, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. It was a ton of fun. And and I think if we're all on Alex Noren this week, we can run it back from the Brooks ticket. Maybe we'll all go back to back together. That, that would be amazing. And and again, if, if I have if I put the bet in with my buddy again, though, I might bankrupt him. So maybe I'll have to do it. But but uh, let's, have to let's go get Alex a payment Noren. plan going. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Let's hop on the hop on the Noren, the A train there. Um, all right, guys. It was fun as always. Thanks, as always, for listening. Thanks to our producer, Liam Byrne. Uh, please subscribe to us if you haven't done already uh, via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, check back next week when, yeah, hopefully we're celebrating going back to back. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.